Welcome to the podcast of Revival Life Church, a spirit-filled multicultural church in Boca Raton, Florida. If you would like more information about Revival Life Church or Pastor Carl Thomas, you can find us on the web at revivallife.church. Hallelujah. 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 If you've got a Bible, you can go and turn to Acts chapter 2. We are uh, continuing in our, um, our Becoming Like Jesus message series. And it sounds kind of pompous to say, I want to become like Jesus, if it weren't for the fact that Jesus said we're supposed to be transformed into his likeness. Amen. And I'm, 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 um, I'm going to need some participation this morning because I, I feel like I've got to preach on me. Uh, but, I, but, I, but I need you to, I need, but, I, but I have a teaching in front of me. And so I need you to catch, I need you to catch what the Holy Ghost has for you today. And it can only happen if you have a vessel that's prepared to receive and to respond. Amen? 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 Amen. 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 We're going to receive and respond. I, uh, my wife was out of town for several days this week, which is always sin. Um, I know that. Uh, because I'm, I can't take care of myself, right? Like I'm, I am a kept man. I knew, I knew, I knew that there was a problem when I texted my wife to ask what was in the fridge, and she's in Atlanta, and I'm six feet from the fridge, right? You know, at that point, things are out of balance. But no, she did not buy me hot pockets, so I had to actually come up with a meal to eat on my own. Thankfully, you know about. My son bailed me out. He made the chicken, right? So give it up for Isaac, if you would, who, 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 who my wife has raised to be a better uh, man than me, apparently, as far as eating goes. I, I have been on a journey <clears throat> uh, the last several years, and I don't have time to get into all of it, but, but let, me, let me tell you this. Um, uh, I, I was, if you know my testimony, I was radically converted to Christ. Um, I have been a learner my whole life, so when I was converted to Christ, I began to dive deep into the things of the Spirit and deep into the things of theology, and um, for me, that was a natural progression. Um, Josh, if you could switch the lights when you get a moment, certainly appreciate it. Um, For me, that was a natural progression. What I did not recognize is that um, my gift and calling is my gift and calling, and it's not necessarily everybody's gift and calling. And what, what happens with us, and this is, I'm telling you this by way of confession, what happens for us is what we receive naturally, uh, we don't recognize we receive uh, by the Spirit, by God, so that we can give out and equip others. We assume that what we know, everybody knows. And we get offended with other people because they don't know what we think they should already know. And so we neglect our own gift, and the body gets neglected because we're a whole bunch of people assuming everybody knows and values what we know and value. And so I went on this journey in the, the things of God, and, and, and the deeper I went in the things of the Spirit, and, I, and, I, and, and the heart of God was revealed to me, the more I recognized that many, many, many people did not value actually using their brain. Uh, I, did not, I, I didn't recognize there is, a, there is an old, old heresy um, that uh, Arius brought forth that, uh, well, I guess it doesn't really matter what, the, what the, the history of it is, but the Nicene Council came together to come against this, this, this theology that Arius had. And basically, Arius said, the things that are spiritual are good, the things that are natural are sinful. And so they believe that our, our body is corrupt, but our spirit is whole. And so anything that we get in the spirit is good, but anything that we get through the natural means is either is carnal at best, sinful at worst. And at, 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 at the onset, you might think, well, that kind of makes sense, you know, because I sin in my body and God is spirit. The problem is that God created all things and called them good. And God created you and said, you are good. Created you in his likeness. Also, there are not all things of the spirit are good. <laughs> Many things of the spirit you want to avoid. At best, they are carnal. At worst, they are demonic. And so we have this need to both be learned and discerning of both natural 
and spiritual. And the more I got involved in the charismatic Pentecostal world, the more I recognized that people not only did not study theology, did not actually use their brains. And let me just say this. It's going to be a little spicy today, right? What I also recognized was that a lot of people escaped their real lives, the lives that they were supposed to be responsible for, into some sort of super spiritual Christian life where they felt like they were somebody. And so they got validation through things they had no control over and ignored the things they had control over. Life is falling apart. You don't take any responsibility for that, but I can prophesy. And so as I um, began to see, like, man, things are not lining up here in your life. Like, all, like, the, like rising tides, all, all ships rise, right, on a rising tide, unless your, your boat has a hole in it, right? And so I just met a whole lot of really spiritual folks who had holes in their boats. And so as I began to dig into the Word, as I began to get formal education years ago in theology and then got advanced teaching in theology, I began, the Lord began to lift blinders off my eyes and give me a framework for understanding why so many super spiritual people had so many crazy lives that you do not want to replicate. Are we okay so far? Are we, are we good so far? I assume that as, you know, you, you know now, of course you're going to get your life together. On top of getting your life together, you want to get connected to God. And as you get connected to God, that will help you in getting your life together. What I did not recognize was so many people had no desire to get their life together at all. They, 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 would, they, would just, they want to be super spiritual and just live as crazy as they want to live. And the church in its ignorance would promote these people because all they cared about was their spirituality. I don't care that none of your kids serve Christ. Uh, you know, you can prophesy over the room. Let me just hear that. And the Bible warns us about that, and the prophecies don't come to pass. Okay, I don't want to go down that road too far. But let me just, let me, let me just, I'll just, okay, I will say this. Because I already told you I pulled out the spice rack today. And my wife is serving with the cheering. All I have is my son, and he's, you know, only half paying attention. So I'm good to go. He's, he's like, wait a minute. And I say you could care less. Um, oh, yeah, you can give me the, you can give me the, I don't know. Um, let, me, let me just say this. We, like, the, like the church has, like I understand, like if you are part of a maligned group and there's stereotypes about you, um, you always know part of that's true, right? You're just, just like, but you're not allowed to talk about it because you're not part of my group. Okay? Like, like, like I'm Italian. And uh, there isn't as much Italian um, prejudice as there were in the days of my, my, my mother and grandparents. My grandparents, when um, they came, like they couldn't get jobs because they're Italian and we were called greasy wops and all these kind of things. And I, I, in fact, am a greasy person, right? Like I just, I produce oil. My wife and I got married and uh, when we got married... Uh, she, um, like, of course, we waited till marriage to be intimate. And so um, at one time, uh, we had both showered, and my wife was putting on lotion, and she went to hand me the lotion. I'm like, what's, what's, what's that for? She's like, you don't put on lotion? I'm like, never. She's like, wait, what do you mean you don't put on lotion? I'm like, I'm Italian. The last thing I'm trying to do is get more greasy, right? Like, that is, like, that is, that is the least of my problems. But to my wife, this was like, I like, it's like she didn't, it's like saying I don't use toothpaste, you know, like to her is like, how could you, because people are different. So that, that, you know, there's a partial, so us Pentecostals, there are, um, there are, are, are caricatures of us about being so super spiritual yet being so disconnected from God. And part of it is true. Part of it is true. How, how many people gave just prophecies that are flat out false that you still call prophets? The church needs a wake-up call. You can only get so many prophecies wrong before we have to say, bruh, I, I, I'm mm, so happy for you, but this ain't America's Got Talent Prophet Edition, right? Like, you, 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 we got to cut you. Like, this, you're not actually a prophet. You, you are not hearing God. Can, can, I, can, can I say this? Can, I, can, I say, can, we just, can we grow up and recognize that not everybody who is on a conference circuit as a prophet is actually a prophet? Many of them just know how to do a conference. They know how to encourage people. They know how to people, tell people what they want to hear and get them excited. But they are not prophets. You know why? Because their prophecies are false. Kind of like the given thing of being a prophet is you have to be able to prophesy correctly. 
Are we on? Are we on? The, are, are, am I talking to the church today? Can, can we talk together? If we're going to build Revival Life Church into what God has us here for, we're going to have to be honest about who we are as a people and who the Spirit-filled church is today. If, if I hired Stanley to come up here and play guitar, and he stood up here on Sunday morning and said, oh, by the way, I don't know how to play guitar, and I told you every week that he's a guitar player, either you got to think I am some sort of moron, or you got to be like, bruh, this ain't working. And the church today is, 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 is saying, no, no, that's fine. Oh, he's a prophet, even though he can't prophesy. That's a problem. Is anybody with me? It's a problem. And you're like, well, who can we trust if we can't trust the prophets? Well, let me help you out. You can trust the Bible. You can trust the Word of God and the Christ that it reveals. Oh, Jesus. All right. I, hope, I, don't, I don't know if y'all are getting this or not. I hope you are. And so I learned this, I learned this phrase years ago that I didn't really quite understand, uh, but I totally embrace today. And so the church, the charismatic church came out of a dead, dry church. The spirit began to move and people were excited about the spirit moving. And uh, they were so excited about the spirit moving, they never knew how to test the spirits like the Bible says. Thank you, Duke. They never knew how to test the spirits like the Bible says. And so here's a phrase that we're going to be leaning on a lot in the next, I don't know, 10 years, right? It says, the word without the spirit, we dry up. The spirit without the word, we blow up. Word and the Spirit, we grow up. And this is what we want at Revival Life Church. We want the Word and the Spirit, and we want to grow up. And I'm, a, and I'm prophesying right now. This is this either, either we go this direction or we die. Hear me. This is where we are going. We, re, we are not going to be a church that all things spiritual are exciting in God. We also are not going for entertainment and word and dry up. We're going to be word and spirit and grow up and teach people how to grow in Christ. How to grow in the spirit and how to grow in the word. If you do not have the power of God evident in your church, the Bible tells us there are not fivefold ministers there, right? If you do not have a love of the word of God, then you do not have mature believers. This is where we are going. Is anybody hearing me? This is not even part of my message. I'm just talking to you out of my spirit, man. I refuse to play charismatic church, and I absolutely refuse to play church growth model church. I am, you, 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 could, you are safe here. I am not saying things so just so you'll get people to grow this church and make me famous. We are not doing things just so I can prophesy and look like the anointed, uh, you know, reverend, doctor, prophet, apostle, right? Like that's not, that's not what's happening here. You are in a place where you are going to learn the word of God and hear the spirit of God and watch the Bible come to life in you. That's, that's, that's what's happening. That's what's happening. And I refuse to, man, I refuse to settle for church as a club. And I refuse to settle for church as a circus. It ain't a club and it ain't a circus. It's the church of Jesus Christ. Acts chapter 2, verse 40. If you didn't hear my message last week, I would encourage you to read it, I, excuse me, to listen to it, laid the foundation for it. Wednesday nights, we're having a midweek service online where you can interact, and I'm teaching slightly deeper things than we're talking about here, going deep in the Word, going deep in the Spirit. We might even get a little weird on there. Uh, that's a space for it. And join us if you want to get a little weird in Jesus. If you don't know what that means, come on. Amen? Amen. Amen. Acts chapter 2, if you remember, the Spirit of God fell. Uh, all the Jews were assembled there for the feast, and uh, Peter recognized that this Spirit was the same spirit that he encountered in, uh, with Jesus, and he stood up finally boldly. The Bible says that the, uh, the disciples kind of, he emerged from the disciples and stood up and gave this speech saying, hey, listen, I know what is happening here. I have met this man that I am experiencing by the spirit right now, and it is Jesus. We need to turn to him. And then the Bible says in verse 40, and with many other words, he solemnly testified and kept on exhorting them saying, be saved from this perverse generation. 
Hold on to that verse for a second. Verse 40. So then those who had received his word were baptized. And that day there were added about 3,000 souls. And they were continually devoting themselves to the apostles' teaching, to fellowship, breaking of bread, and to prayer. Everyone kept feeling a sense of awe. And many wonders and signs were taking place through the apostles. I have been keeping you late recently. Hopefully I'm going to get you out of here relatively on time. Uh, I have three things I want to talk about today. Three things. I want to talk to you about a desire. I want to talk about a direction. And I want to talk about a dedication. A desire, a direction, and a dedication. First, starting with a desire. Peter was telling these church folk, save yourself from this corrupt generation. Now, when we read that in today's American Christianity, we somehow preach that like we're talking about them. Save yourself from this corrupt generation. Look at America. Look, look, look what's happening in schools. Look what's happening in the government. Look, look what's happening uh, on the border. Look, look what's happening in, in the streets. Look what's happening, look, 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 look what's happening in, in, in the homes. And, and, and look what's happening in the club. And, and, and the, the, Peter wasn't talking about the world here. P Peter was not saying, watch out where your kids go to school because this corrupt generation is going to steal them from the church. That's, that's not what he was saying. What, 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 what happening in Jerusalem when he gave this speech, let's, let's remember that, 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 that Jews from all over the empire, all over the region had come for the festival, for the, for the feast, and, and, and they were preparing for this feast day. Now, these, these, are like, this, this, these are folks who traveled like to a conference, right? Like they traveled far to come to a conference on their own dime. Like this is the church. This is the church come together. And, and Peter, Peter says to the church, you got to save yourself from this corrupt generation. He's, he's not talking about them. He's talking about us. He was talking about what happened to Judaism in that day that no longer reflected the God who came down and delivered them out of bondage. He's talking about that they had abandoned the scriptures that had nurtured them and weaned them and had raised them up to have hope in God and to have compassion and to love righteousness and, and, and believe that the Lord our God is one. He was talking to a, a church that had, had given up its authority to roam in for, for financial gain and had given up its authority to uh, teachers who were out for selfish gain. He was saying, this, this, this wicked church generation, you got to turn from what these people are teaching you and repent from this corrupt generation. Save yourselves. God is doing something new. You say amen. He's not talking about culture wars. He's talking about returning to the God of Israel. And last week, we, we talked about these forces that he was addressing at work in the church that, that would rob us of who we are. If you put that up, please. Uh, he talked about these four things. This ignorance that we talked about. Ignorance of God's ways. This selfishness against who God revealed himself to be. And this isolation not being a part fully integrated into God's people and this self-reliance, this false teaching that if I just get enough, I won't need anyone else and ultimately I won't need God. This is this false teaching that, that he was coming against. And in our effort today to look cool, the church has lost its reverence of God and its miraculous power. We've got steps and plans and formulas instead of faith, trust, and obedience. We need the church to be open and accepting to everyone who comes, and we need to create ways to meet Jesus. But the point of church is to teach people the Word of God, to let people come together in worship, in unity, to be formed into the people of God, to recognize how to hear and obey the voice of God, to rightly discern the Spirit of God. This is why Jesus left the church. And we desperately need to return to that. We need these miracles 
in signs. We need, we need a church to grow into maturity. But we live in a culture that promotes the opposite. On one side, we have old religion, just doing religion for the sake of religion. Well, this is the way we've always done it. So this is the way we're always going to do it. And on the other side, we have new religious garbage. Church has got to be like a Broadway production. Should be time to the second. Should be, doesn't matter what God does in the service, we're moving on with or without him. This isn't even about God. It's about putting on a presentation for the lost. When, 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 when church becomes about something other than God, you know church has jumped the tracks. Are we on the same page here today? Are you getting anything out of this? Like, uh, this is a sobering message, but I, I got an encouraging end, so I want you to stay connected. I got to let you know what the problem is if we're going to bring the solution to this world. I, I just, I meet so many people who have a hunger and thirst for God. There is a spirit that is drawing them to Jesus. He's, he's saying, listen, come to me. I want to lift your burdens. I want to lift your, your heaviness. I want to deliver you into promise. And they get the church and either they get dead religion or they get just, hey, your whole purpose in life is to build my church. Your whole purpose in life is to make me a rock star. And I'm here to let you know they are missing the mark. God deserves something better. Amen. Amen. Jesus didn't die on the cross for that. Amen. And I've said it before and I'll say it again. I will preach this in my living room if it gets to that. I do not care. I'm going to preach the gospel of Jesus Christ. There's lots of teaching today, but there's a lack of presence. Why? Well, we've just put a whole lot of things over God. We thought we accomplished God's purposes without God, which is a funny place to be. Proverbs talks about this. Proverbs chapter 1, verse 7. The fear of the Lord is the beginning of knowledge, but fools despise wisdom and instruction. Church, this is our church we're talking about. We're talking about us. We're not talking about them. We're talking about us. But nothing is more frustrating than people who won't listen. Nothing is more frustrated than watching people go through the same cycles again and refuse to listen, have no hunger to learn, are unteachable and untrainable. God in Scripture is like, if you want to live in your nonsense, go for it. I want to help some of you who get frustrated with people, especially the empaths in the room. You know, you people in the room who pick up everybody's feelings and everybody's burdens. You walk in a room and you just, oh, you hurt for people and you give your life for people and, uh, and they don't seem to get any better. Am I talking to anybody in the room that you feel that way? Yeah, here, here, here's, what I, here's, here, here's a phrase I want you to embrace. Listen, if you don't have a problem, I don't have a solution. Until you recognize you have a problem... That's none of my business. You live that way. Hey, listen, people, my, I, I, I've had to train leaders in this. People come to me and they're like, hey, this, this, these people are having this problem. Those people are having that problem. And I have to let them, I look them in the eye and I say, listen, people can live however they want. You want to live your life in drama and nonsense? Hey, Jesus has given you that freedom. You want to live your life not growing in Christ, being frustrated and thinking that's going to mature you? Hey. That's your, that you, that's your choice. If you want cycles of violence in your life, I, I recommend against it, but that is your choice. If you want to have the same problems over and over and over again, that's your choice. You want to have a panic attack against the same stuff every single week and not deal with the root of it? It's your choice. You want to live in depression and watch your life circle the drain? It is your choice. I recommend working hard to figure out what's going on to change it, but I am not going to make you do it. You can live however you want. I call that freedom in Christ. I am free to be free, but you're also free to be bound. People say, can Christians have a demon? And I say, Christians can have whatever they want. The apostles lived in the physical presence of God for three years. And they encountered his spirit and they gave us the way to live, which is countercultural to the age we live in. He gave us a countercultural way of life. And we know, and I just, ah, I want to preach this really well and I want to teach the scriptures today. Uh, I'm not frustrated at all 
Uh, I, I see it so clearly. And unfortunately, the prophetic anointing, for those of us that carry the prophetic anointing, you see it and like you want to scream it because people can't see it. But it's your job to help show people the lens that they're viewing the world through. But like the prophet said, the, the, the word of God is shut up in my bones and it feels like it's going to explode. And so I'm not angry today, but I am passionate. Amen. And I, and I believe the passion the Lord has given me is going to get on you and you might discern some of this as I'm talking. All right. I'm not angry. I'm kind of happy. Uh, I love Jesus. I'm happy that God is talking to me. I love you. I'm thankful for you being here. I really am. Um, I've been in church services. I'm like, are you mad I'm here? I'm like, why are you yelling at me? I'm the one who showed up, right? All the, like the, people are not coming by droves, and I came, you know? Like, so I'm happy you're here. But I want to encourage you to hunger for something better, if that makes sense. And so, so, so Jesus, he gave us a, a framework of living a counter-cultural life. How do we know that? Because the cultural, culture killed all of them, right? So they were living opposite the culture. Right? And this is what he shows us in verse 42. He says, they were continually devoting themselves to the apostles' teaching, fellowship, the breaking of bread, and the prayer. So as we list these ways that we see the culture, the culture of this world affects the culture of the church, we want to tackle these one by one, and that's what we're going to do over the next week. Next slide, if you would, please. So we see this ignorance in the church coming from the world, and the antidote to ignorance is study. I know that sounds radical. I know, I know it sounds like I might have gone to heaven and had a third heaven experience and the angel of the Lord came and delivered that very heavy, heavy prophetic word to me. Uh, but really, it's just common sense, right? Uh, there is ignorance in the church. There's ignorance in the world. And the antidote is to be a learner. Can you say that? Be a learner. A learner. You want to be a life long learner. This is the desire I want you to have. I want you to have a desire. The Bible says that they lived in awe. They were in awe of what God was doing, and there was miracle signs and wonders. I want you to have a desire. I want you to learn what God has for you, and I want a desire for you to come into it. Next thing I want to give is a direction. Paul warned Timothy about what we're seeing today. There's nothing new under the sun, the Bible says. And Paul warned Timothy in 2 Timothy chapter 2, verse 15. He said, be diligent to present yourself to prove to God as a workman who does not need to be ashamed. Watch this. Accurately handling the word of truth. I made the mistake of watching Christian television the other day. And... Um, I do that, that semi-frequently, and my wife gets frustrated every time I do uh, because I yell at the TV, right? Like I, like, I want you to yell back to me. I like it to be affirming, though. I yell back things not as affirming, right? And so I'm sitting there, and I'm watching um, a Christian television show, and it's, um, it's a pastor of, a, of a, a, a local church. I say that like he's not some international guy. It's, a, you know, a guy who's got a church, and he's on Christian TV at weird hours, and and, uh, and he just begins to talk, and he starts using this, that, that Christianese. You know when you just start using phrases that you don't actually believe, and they don't actually mean anything, but it's how Christians talk? How you doing, brother? Blessed and highly favored, brother. How about you? Oh, God's been good to me all the time, and all the time God's been good. You know, like we just say things that don't actually mean anything. And uh, you could tell this guy, like, had to, had to burn some time. You know, like, there was the, 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 the program lasts a certain amount of time, and he had, like, 60 seconds to fill, and he just starts spouting Christianese, and I'm just like, my wife's like, why are you watching this? And I was like, I just want to see how many scriptures he can quote out of context in a row. Like, how many times he can abuse the word of God in a row without any shame. I am just curious how this man can just over and just over. I'm like, well, that doesn't mean that. That doesn't actually mean that. Not what they were talking about. Not the context of that scripture. Just saying them over and over because just we have been conditioned. Hear me. Here's the problem. We have been conditioned to quote scriptures in a way that robs them of their power. When you quote scripture out of context against God's will, it actually re it neuters it of the power that the word of God has in your life. That's the, that's the, that, that, that is, that is the, the greatest trick of the enemy, to make you think that it means something it doesn't, so you don't actually tap into what it does mean. 
not oriented towards God. He's, he's, like, he's like telling Timothy, listen, you, you preach the word and then you will stand before God knowing that you have studied the word to show yourself approved, that you have accurately handled the word of truth. If he tells him that Timmy's supposed to strive to accurately, that means that it's really easy to inaccurately handle the word of truth. And this is a problem. You see, the true word gives us the ability to understand God's nature and promises. The false words of the enemy, the spirit of this age, human carnality, they lead to destruction. These are the challenges that we have faced in the last two years. The enemy has like, I don't even know that it's the enemy, it's just laziness. People don't actually want to look at the word and they just come up with something in their head. The enemy whispers something and they can find anybody to agree with them. Oh yeah, it must mean that. I'm like, doesn't mean that. I, I, I've, I've, um, I have been, I have been, <clears throat> I have been grieved greatly at the number of men and women of God who I once held in high esteem, who have abandoned the word of truth for their own desire to be in charge. They literally will not submit themselves to the word of God. They find scriptures to, to justify what they want to be the truth. Does, does that make sense? And I have never seen that work out well for people. I, I, it, it grieves me. It's like when you have a 16-year-old son and uh, you buy them a sports car and you say, here's a, here's a car that can go 170, you know, good luck. And like, you know where that's going to lead. You know they're going to crash it. You know that's going to lead to destruction. Yeah, they're the coolest kid in 11th grade right now. But they will soon be in the hospital. And these people, for these short-term gains of being the cool kid, going against the big people, are soon going to find themselves in spiritual hospitals. And I grieve. At the same point saying, you can do whatever you want. God says, I put before you life and death. But he also says, choose life. That it may go well with your children. That means the fruit of your life is going to be poison if you don't get this right. And so they march around mocking the church, mocking God, and I know where this is heading. It will lead to them and their children's destruction. I, I'm, I'm fearful. And I don't say that as some sort of, I'm not trying to make anybody in here fearful. That's, that's, it's just, I've, I've been studying this thing for a quarter century now, and I've seen it enough to know what happens. It's it's not a mystery what happens if you drink bleach. It's, you know, it doesn't matter if I say that's going to kill you or that's going to get you high. It's going to kill you. My words are irrelevant. And you see people who do not handle the word of truth accurately. They exalt themselves as an expert and you know they are damning themselves. And I grieve for that. And I want to see something better. Can you say amen? This is not new, though. Jeremiah the prophet got a word from God, and he, and he, and he, and he spoke it. He said, is, my, is not my word like fire, declares the Lord, and a hammer which shatters the rock? We, we like that part. We quote that part. I want you to memorize that part, and I want you to have faith in the word of God that it shatters the rocks in your life. But he doesn't end there. He says, therefore, behold, I am against the prophets who steal my words from one another. Wait a minute. What is, wait, what, what? Jesus said, listen, my word is powerful, but there's some people who said I said something who didn't act, I didn't say any of it. And so there's people who are supposed to be prophesying the word of God, and they're just speaking words they heard somebody else say, and I am against them. That's a bad position to be in. Come on, somebody. That's a bad position to be in. You want to be in a place that God is not saying I'm against you. You want to live in a way that God honors the words that are on your lips. Is anybody feeling me right now? Are we on the same page? I want to live in a way that when I speak the word of God, mountains tremble. I want to speak the word of God and demons flee. I want to speak the word of God and people get healed. I want to speak the word of God and people get saved. I want people to have hope in the living God. This is what I want. But God is saying, you guys are all getting together in your conferences and you're coming up with great ways to do things, but I didn't say any of that stuff. And I am against those who say, I, I said things that I never said. I hope this is sobering. I hope it's sobering. I hope we're on the same point here. Why? Why? Because there is power in the word of God. The words in the Bible 
They have to become life to you. You can't just hear me say them or some guy on TV because you have to have the life in you that is in these words. Go with me on a journey for a second. <clears throat> when I was younger, uh, I, um, I grew up with, you know, really, really, I didn't speak good English, right? I, I spoke pretty poor English. And, uh, and as I got older, it was kind of my goal to figure out how to speak this language right. Does that make sense to you? Are, we, are you tracking with me? Have you ever been like in a professional atmosphere and recognize you don't speak like everybody around you? And you're like, ooh, I got to work this thing out, right? Like I got to see. So in America, I want you, I want you to, <clears throat> in America, we call that proper English and improper English. Other parts of the world, they call it dialects. We got something funny in America. We think there's only one way to say things, the proper way. Now, I don't want to go into the eth ethnic uh, background of that whole uh, thought process or uh, 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 the cultural aspects that caused that thought process that we don't honor other dialects of English in America. Like there's people who come from foreign nations and in maybe their language, the, ver the subject comes before the verb, whereas for ours, it might come after. And so they say it backwards and we say, you're speaking wrong, right? But you could go to parts of Miami and they're speaking Spanglish and they fully understand one another. And you're like, I'm only catching half of it because I only have one of those languages, right? You're not speaking English correctly, we would say. Are you, are you with me here? I want, you to, I want you to get this concept. Words, words and speech are, are, it's like luggage. They're like containers for ideas, right? We get ideas in our heads and we form them into words. We put words together as sentences and we communicate them to other people who then hear the words, open the suitcase to get the idea. Are, are you with me? I remember a few years ago, um, I said to my wife, you know, that thing got, that, that got me feeling some type of way. My wife's like, what type of way? I was like, some type of way. That was make, I feel, you know, I feel some type of way about that. She's like, what type of way does it make you feel? I'm like, some type of way. And so we had to end the conversation. She had no idea what I was talking about. See, the, the containers I was using, she didn't know how to open. Was I speaking wrong or was she not under? No, no, no. We weren't, we weren't speaking the same dialect. Are, are you getting where I'm at here? And so if you grew up in Kansas, you're going to, you got these words. We, we got the same words, but they don't, they don't mean the same thing. Like what's, what's pop and what's Coke, right? What, what's a pocketbook? What's, what's a purse, right? The same idea, different, different containers. Are, are you understanding what I'm saying here? And, and so, again, I so, so deeply want to dive into the cultural aspect of this, but that will have to be for another day. Um, uh, but I used to, I used to um, correct people's English. And then one day I recognized they're speaking a, di a dialect that I don't speak. And if I don't understand what they're saying, I should ask them to explain. But if I do understand what they're saying, I shouldn't correct them. Unless they've asked me to. Why is, why is the way I speak more correct than the way you speak? Pride. And pride says, I say it the right way, and you say it the wrong way. I'm not a learner. I'm ignorant because I think I know the best. There are certain parts of America, if you were to speak English the way I'm speaking it right now, you would be ostracized. And some of you know you went into a certain subculture speaking the way that you grew up, and they made fun of you the way you spoke because they spoke differently. They're letting you know you're not part of the community. That's because communication is based on shared understanding of words and their usage. Are, are, are you getting this at all? Is this making sense at all to you? Right? We have to discern as Christians two things. We have to understand the culture that we're speaking to. Like there were things that early in my ministry... I won't go down that road. But I have learned that the gospel is contextual. What God, like, I, I would like here, man, I'm just, I'm just talking, right? I hope, I, hope, I, hope this is, I hope this is making sense because I'm just kind of talking right now. Um, but I believe by the Spirit I'm talking. 
this, this is why there are no prophetic words to the United States. You know how many millions of people there are in the United States? And some of them are one check away from being completely homeless with their kids having nowhere to live. And others basically own other people. God is not saying the same thing to both those people. He's not saying the same thing to both those people. He's got a completely different word for both those people. And for someone to appoint themselves the national prophet and say, God is saying this to everyone in the world, they've somehow elevated themselves to be the mediator between God and man. And God is not elevating anybody into Jesus' position. Jesus isn't in the bathroom and needs somebody else to take his seat. He's not so busy with things in Asia that he can't take care of America. That, that, that's not how it works. You have a pastor who hears from God, and you still got to hear from God on your own. But to think that some guy in North Carolina or California or, or, or Kansas is getting the word for all of America don't make no kind of sense. It don't make no kind of sense. What, what are these words? This is what God is saying to America. That is a container for a phrase that says, God has given me his word that you can't get without me. And now I am telling all of America how they need to follow what I'm hearing. And I'm like, no, thanks. I'm good right here. I'm good right here. Because what you're saying don't even make sense to me. Nor does it make sense to the Bible. Okay, so these words, words, words are containers, right? And so when we get these words from God, they contain God's ideas in the Bible. This is, man, I really hope this lands. When you crack open this word of God and you begin to read it on your own, there are ideas that the writers of these scriptures, as inspired by the Holy Ghost, are trying to convey. And what some people do is they get these words, and instead of telling you what the original author packed inside these words, they put what they think these words should mean. And they put a different, they put that word in a different container. And then they come and they unpack it and they say, hey, this word that was originally designed to say, you know, you have to take care of people who are poor, what they really mean is God just wants you to worry about yourself. Now, all of a sudden, they have taken the word of God, they emptied out the contents that were supposed to be in it, they packed their little luggage inside of it and delivered it to you. And instead of getting the word of God with God's clothing in it, you got a suitcase full of their laundry. Are, 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 is, this, is this making sense? And so if someone comes and gives me a message from my wife, I know my wife. I know what she would tell me and what she wouldn't tell me. And so if someone comes to me and says, hey, by the way, your wife says, I don't know, that she's going to go out on a date tonight and the, you know, the lady's going to get drunk and tore down. I'd be like, you didn't, you didn't talk to my wife. You know, oh, I heard your wife talking about you and she said this, that, and the other. I'm like, no, she didn't say that because I know her. That's not something she would say. You've, you've brought words, but they don't contain my wife's nature in it. You hear what I'm telling you right now. They do not contain who Tracy Thomas is. So those words that you brought were false words because they don't contain the spirit of my wife, right? And so we got to know who the real God is. So when words get delivered to us and they get unpacked and someone says, hey, look, I got this word. God says, hey, it's okay to be selfish. It's okay to oppress people. It's okay to not care about people. It's okay to be lazy and not study. It's okay to... You're going to be like, um, no, 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 no. None of that contains what my God has revealed himself to be in this word. You are not faithfully handling the word of truth. You are bringing other people's words. He says, who steal my words from each other. And I've had some uncomfortable conversations in the last two years. Some people have grown from those conversations and other people have, have, have been, their faith has been shipwrecked and they've shipwrecked other people's faith with them. They've stolen God's words from each other. They've stolen it from each other. They've stolen God's word from you and they don't even know it yet. This is a big deal. Okay. What God has for you will require you to hear his authentic voice. In uh, 1 Kings chapter 19, there's a story of Elijah the prophet. And uh, Elijah, who suffered from depression, like we can say that fairly accurately. Like it's impossible to read, well, most of the prophets. You, you, 
I don't know if it was episodal, like, you know, people are like, oh, they just have depression. No, they done broke for 50 years, and they tired. Like, they, you just, you struggle long enough, you're going to be a little depressed, right? There, I understand there's peace in the midst of the storm, and, and they, say, they say, you know, money can't solve all problems, but they'll solve a bunch of them. Anybody know what I'm talking about? Money won't solve all your problems, but, they, but money will solve a whole bunch of them, right? Like, it'll solve a lot of them, and uh, if you don't have any, you're probably less likely to be, anyways. Uh, and so, so Elijah, you know, who, who'd been up and down the mountain, we've talked about him a lot. Uh, he's in a little, little bit of depression, and he's uh, kind of like figuring out, you know, God, what are you speaking to me? And we get to verse 19, and, and it says, um, God told Elijah to go to the mountain, and, and he told Elijah, go, go to the mountain, and my presence will pass before you, right? And so God, God, God will pass, and we're expecting God to pass. But a lot of false gods pass in the same season, right? And the, and the Bible tells us that um, this wind came and, and it tore through the area. Like this wind that, 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 that came and it shattered, it came through the mountains and it shattered rocks. What, what kind of wind shatters rocks? And, and you would think, well, clearly this is, this is God. But it says, but God was not in that. And then it said this earthquake came. And in in it, in it, in it just trembled, but God was not in the earthquake. And then the Bible says this fire came, and like clearly biblical Holy Spirit fire, but then the Bible says God was not in the, the fire. And then the Bible says then, then, then what's often translated the still small voice, but it, it, it really, it really like if you study the Hebrew, it's like, it's like this gentle whisper but even more accurately, it's like there was a voice spoken in the silence. You know when it's like really quiet in a room? You don't just come out and, hey, how are you? You know, you don't, you don't, that, that, you don't, that's not what happens. The Bible says the words like the word spoken in silence. And we are living in a church age that only hears God's through, only hears God's, plural, through earthquakes and fires and winds and has no conception of hearing Him in silence. Every earthquake is God. Every wind is the Spirit. Every, every fire must be revival. Whether or not those containers contain the nature of God or not. Because we have not studied to show ourselves Approve. God wants to invite you into a life of purpose and grace that you can only live in when you know Him and His will. But the pride of life makes us comfortable with where we're at. There's some of us in this room that think, man, these other people really need to hear this word. And I'm speaking to us. We get so prideful in our learning that we think we don't need to learn more. We need to be learners. We need to be learners. You see, culture, culture has this gravitational pull. Like you don't understand how many messages you're inundated, inundated with every day. Like you are made for comfort. You are made for luxury. You are made for sensuality. The goal is that you would be sexually desirable, universally accepted, rich beyond your wildest dreams, and never have to actually do anything you don't want to do. That's the culture. It's drawing you, and there's this gravitational pull stronger than the sun that is constantly drawing you to this false narrative. But we have to be humble partners with God. We have not arrived yet. We have to recognize, I have not arrived with. And that leads me to my last point here, the dedication. I mean, yeah. I, I want to challenge you in a dedication. Paul, who I feel like knew God pretty well, wrote a good portion of the New Testament. His missionary journeys established the church around the Mediterranean. He 
out of the base of Antioch, established the church of Jesus Christ all over, put things in order, set bishops in place, wrote the Bible. One of the late things he wrote we find in Philippians chapter 3. He says, I press on toward the goal to win the prize which God has called for me, heavenward in Christ Jesus. Here he is while he's writing the Bible. He's not writing a devotion. He's not giving a little talk online. He's writing the Bible saying, I am still pressing on so that I can fully get Jesus. In that, in, that, in, that, in that whole passage in Philippians 3, and I would challenge you to study it, he's like, there is a prize to gain. There's, there's a God to know. There, there's a life to live. There's, there, there, there's this heavenly understanding that I get to come into, and I have not found it yet, but I know He saved me so I can live in that, but I'm so far from it. And so in my life, I have dedicated myself to learning of this God and living in a way so I can dwell in His presence so I can touch that. You see, He saved me for a reason and I have devoted my life to lining up with that so I can receive that reason. This is what Paul is teaching. And I tell you, in America, we go to one or two services, we stamp ourselves Christians, we get a fancy looking Bible and we think we've arrived. Vote the right party and we're good. And we've come up so short because we have stolen words from other people. Here's what I want to do. I want to challenge you. <clears throat> I want to challenge you to a life of learning. I want to challenge you to start with a life of learning the Bible. Notice I didn't say reading the Bible. Learning the Bible. Let's say it together. Learning the Bible. Oh, this thing. <clears throat> this, this thing. Okay, so in the morning, <clears throat> in the morning I wake up uh, and I eat breakfast because I want coffee. And I can't drink coffee until I've eaten. If I drink coffee before I've eaten, I become a spaz, right? And then I'm a spaz until like, I don't know, mid-afternoon. It's, it's what caffeine does to me. I don't know why. My, my daughter can wake up and drink a pot of coffee before she eats. I'm jealous because like coffee, it, it, it's kept from me until I get some food in me. So I wake up, I eat a bowl of cereal, which is what I eat about 28 days of the month, right? I eat a, a bowl of cereal and then I go and I sit down with a cup of coffee and, I, and this, is, this is what I do. I sit down with a cup of coffee, my Bible, and my journal. I open up my journal, and at the top of the page, I write the date, I write the day of the week, and I write where I'm at, because I know I'm about to encounter God, and I want to record it. And so then I start reading my Bible. I humble myself, and I ask Holy Spirit, reveal to me, what I've been missing, I, I, I prepare my heart to encounter the sacred text. This is not a, a, a guidebook for life. It's not, a, it's not a book of phrases. It's not Nietzsche. It, 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 it's not a philosopher. It is the very word of God that the Spirit of God helped dictate. And so I, I prepare my heart to learn. I humble myself. I ask Holy Spirit, reveal what I've been missing in this text that I have been reading for 25 years. I've been reading it my whole life, but I've been reading it with the Holy Ghost for 25 years. And, and, and I, I am asking, Paul, Paul wrote to the church in Colossae. He used this phrase that he prayed for them. He said, he, said, um, he called it the mystery that has been kept hidden for ages and generations, but is now disclosed to the Lord's people. Throughout all history, they wished that they could get what you get right now. It was hidden from their eyes for all of human history until Jesus. And now this word of God with the spirit, the mystery of God's redemptive purposes get to be revealed to us anytime we turn our heart toward Jesus and ask to learn. And so I sit there and I read 
And I open my Bible and <clears throat> I turn to that day's reading and I'm excited. I cannot tell you the excitement I have about reading the Bible these days. I've, I've never been as excited to read the Word of God as I am now. I remember when I first got saved, I'd read the Bible till I fell asleep. I remember later on when I got my first iPod, I found the Bible on audio and I would sleep to it. But yet today, I'm more excited than I have ever been to read the Bible. I can't, I, it's, I can't explain it. It's like, it's like going to the circus and, and going, going to the fair and going on date night and, and all this wrapped into one because I know I am about to encounter the cosmic mystery of Christ. And so, <clears throat> I prepare myself to receive information and aspects of God's nature. What hidden treasure am I going to see today? I don't, I don't, I don't, just, I don't just read the Bible. I, 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 I want to understand it. I, uh, I, read, I, I read the Bible until I get to words. And as I read this way, words pop out that I've read a hundred times. And I'm like, what does that mean here? Why did he use that word? And, and there's so many free resources. Like what you have before you, like people who wrote, like the foundation of our faith didn't have this much resource in front of them. Like just the amount of free resources out there to learn the word is astounding. Yet the average Christian is completely ignorant of even a need to look it up. And, and so like I, 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 I want to understand the Bible. I read commentaries to understand what the background of the book is. Can you imagine reading a letter from one person to another, not knowing either person and thinking you understand the letter? That's what we do. I want to understand the, the, the situation of the people they're writing about. and I want to understand the writer. I want to, what problems are they addressing? What's their history? What, what did it mean to those people who are receiving the letter? What did it mean to the person writing the letter? And how then, after understanding that, do I apply that to my faith today? How do I live that right now? How will I live that in five years? I want it to become part of me. We know that athletes to, uh, in the big college programs, big college football fan, even though my college team is rebuilding this year. But what they do, one of the first things they do when they want to build a big program is the first thing they invest in is a nutrition program. Because they know the best athletes have the best nutrition. They have nutritionists. They, they make sure they eat right at the right times of the right stuff and that they're exercising, right? Because they know that the food that you put into your body becomes your body. That's literally what you're building your body out of. It's the, it's the building box, blocks of your body. It's like living in a, in a house made of sand or a house made of concrete. And, 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 and I, I, I want this word to become part of me. And just like athletes have to eat right, I, 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 want, I want this word to become part of me. I want my life to be built upon this word. I want my heart to beat off this word. I want my mind to think in accordance with this word. The, the, the angel told Ezekiel, hey, here's the scroll. I want you to eat it. I, 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 I want it. I want this wisdom and I want this understanding to come be part of me. Yeah, Stanley, if you come up, please. <clears throat> and I want you to be dedicated to the word of God. I want you to dedicate yourself to understanding the Bible to where you can teach it to people. My wife and I, we, we don't pray every morning together. We, 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 we do pray every morning, individually at least. Uh, but we pray together every night. And I love when we lay in bed at night and I'm like, been waiting all day. I got to tell you what I read this morning in the Bible. I got to tell you what I got this morning. I got to... I can't, I, 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 I've been reading out of this and I, like this phrase opened up. And what I like to do is I read the Bible and then I read some devotional material. I, I'm reading through several books. I'm reading through some um, sixth century theologians. Um, I'm reading, some, bless you, some other, some other things. And uh, I read the Bible and I'll read some other things and God knits it together. And, I, and I'm like, oh, I was reading this scripture and, and then this came out and then I felt like I was supposed to stop and I opened this book that I haven't read in two weeks and then it picked up on that scripture that I had just read in the Bible and God is knitting all of this learning together so I can watch this so I can be transformed to become like Jesus. 
I want this wisdom and understanding of the word. Revelation 19, we, we read this famous passage. <clears throat> and we know it's the return of Jesus, but it talks about this rider on a white horse. And this rider on the, on the you could take down the scripture there, Josh. This rider on the white horse, he comes back and he's got a robe dipped in blood and he's got a name on his leg. It's, I mean, it's just, it's a phenomenal passage, but it says that out of his mouth, comes a sword. And that sword is the Word of God. This is what I want to come out of my mouth. I want the Word of the Lord to be in my mouth. And I want it to come out and cut through this culture and establish the Word of God in my life. Stand with me if you would. If you don't own a Bible, we got free ones in the lobby. Feel free to take one. You can read it digitally. I don't care how you read it, but read it. I want you to dedicate yourself to knowing it. This week, as we dedicate ourselves to being transformed, I want you to I want to challenge you to read your Bible every day. Where do I start, Pastor? Hear me. If you're away from God right now, I'd recommend you read, start one of two places. Start reading at the beginning of the book of Luke. And if you're in emotional turmoil and you're away from God, begin reading with Psalm 1. If you're away from God and you're in turmoil, start in, 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 in Psalm chapter 1. But make your way to Luke. Start reading the book of Luke. And when you crack it open, say, God, what does this mean? About two and a half years ago, I had a a leaders meeting. In our leaders meeting, I, I taught this cycle. And it starts with you knowing something, and then deconstruction comes, because you're in a new season. And after deconstruction, there is learning, and then there's reconstruction, and you're back to knowledge. And you'll go through that cycle many times in your lives, and you'll go through it in your faith if you're faithful to God. What you learned as a child will be deconstructed because you're no longer a child. I want us to be found faithful people who are willing to reconstruct our faith. You don't give up when things get hard. There are a whole bunch of people today. Well, I heard somebody say it this this week. They said a whole bunch of people got the, the Walmart value version of church and think they're experts in Christianity. And they're not. They got sold a really bad product from someone who stole words from other prophets. And now God is being blamed for it. Hear me, God is for you. And in His Word are promises that you can build a healthy life on. So I want you to set time each day to read your Bible. I want at at least a couple times this week, I want you to figure out what something in the Bible means. And I want you to share it with somebody. And if you're like, oh, listen, I'm not talking about being weird. I'm talking about if if you don't learn where to get good shoes for cheap, you would tell people. If you've got curly hair, you've got a whole group of friends right now trying to tell you how to do your hair, right? Like this is, there's the, it's it's borderline cult at this point. Like how how much, like uh, I don't, like curly hair is the idol of protection these days. Like how do you maintain your curly hair? Listen, when you learn that, you found like the source of all knowledge. I want, I want the Word of God to be like that for you. Like, I done found some things and figured them out, and it is amazing for my life, and I want to tell somebody about it. I want you, hear me, I'm telling you this week, as your pastor, figure something out in the Word, and I want you to tell somebody about it. I don't care how you tell them about it. You don't even have to tell them you got it in the Bible. But you could tell them that you done learned something this week, and it's amazing, and you want to share it with them because it's going to change their life. Will you say amen? 
Will you commit to doing that? Say amen to the word of God. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. Now I want to pray. I want to pray that this infectious love of God that has gotten on me the last five years will get on you. And I will warn you. I will warn you. Then when you start really believing the Word of God, by the Spirit of God, you will trouble religious demons. You will trouble religious demons. Cheat code. You don't want those in your life anyways. So don't argue with everybody who got it wrong. But love them and continue to walk in the truth. Amen? So do this. We're going we're, we're gonna, to we're gonna do this. Uh, put yourself in a way to receive. Now, if you come from kind of like a white church background, here's how we position ourselves to receive. Now, if you come from an ethnic church background, I would encourage you to praise until you get it. It's the same thing, two different ways. So what we're going to do is both. We're about to do both, right? We're going to work this out together. Yeah. So what we're going to do is we're going to clap, clap mildly just receiving and say, yes, Lord. You can put your head back if you want. Say, yes, Lord, I receive what you're giving to me right now. Just keep clapping. Just like, just like you would lay on the ground and soak. You're just going to clap. Yes, Lord, I receive what you have for me. Yes. And you may shout or you may be quiet. You may talk. Or you may sit down, but we're going to believe that the Spirit of the Lord right now is going to impart something in your life. Come on. Come on. You're going to receive it right now. Position yourself to receive. Some of you may wave your hands. Some of you begin to shout. Some of you may lay on the ground. But right now, come on, don't stop, though. Father, I want to know your word. Father, I want to receive your engrafted word. I want to be found faithful, Lord Jesus. You may use your own words or you may just listen to mine and say, Father, in the mighty name of the Lord Jesus Christ, that you would put upon them right now a spirit of wisdom and understanding, a hunger to learn, a hunger to press into the spirit of God, a hunger, a hunger, or a gentle touch spirit, a wave that would overcome them, Father. Well, come on, come on, come on, come on, come on. Don't, Don't stop receiving. Whatever you do, don't stop receiving. Father, that it would be engrafted on the inside of them. It would be engrafted and would turn into part of who they are. That they would seek this word like hidden treasure. They would seek it like a lost coin. Come on, come on, come on, come on, come on, come on. Father, do something in me that I'm willing to look at somebody in the eye and say, God didn't never say no kind of thing. Because I don't just read in the Bible this morning that he said this is who he is and that don't line up with that. Come on, somebody. I pray that you would share it with somebody this week. This is what we call practicing our faith. And this week, I want to challenge you to practice your faith, to put it into practice in Jesus' name. You say amen. Well, clap, clap, give a clap offering to the Lord because he's doing it in your life. Give a clap offering to the Lord because he's doing it in your life right now. Give a clap offering to the Lord because he's doing it in your life right now. Come on, touch two people right now. Say the engrafted word is coming onto your life. Touch two people. Say the engrafted word is coming onto your life right now. It's coming onto your life right now. And you're never going to be the same again. In the name of Jesus. Amen, amen, and amen. Give a clap off for the Lord if you would. Amen. If you need prayer for healing in your body, if you would like impartation of some sort, if you need deliverance, we're going to be here at the front. Chelsea, if you can come pray. If not, let me pray for you. I'm sorry. Let me bless you before you go. Let me bless you before you go. You ready to receive?